0: Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us the privilege of life. Please, Lord, take our lives and let it be consecrated to Thee. Father in heaven, please grant us of Your Spirit, for without You we can do nothing. So we pray that as we listen to the words contained in this devotion, that by Your grace we will take a step closer into becoming like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our greatest aim is to fulfill this purpose. Therefore, Lord, I pray put your words in my mouth that life will be spoken to all who listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 1 Seven Short Years and Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her Genesis chapter 29 verse 20 how different Jacob's arrival from that of Abraham's messenger nearly a hundred years before the servant had come with a train of attendants riding upon camels and with rich gifts of gold and silver. The son was a lonely, footsore traveler with no possession save his staff. Like Abraham's servant, Jacob tarried beside a well and it was here that he met Rachel, Laban's younger daughter. Though he came portionless and unattended, a few weeks showed the worth of his diligence and skill, and he was urged to tarry. It was arranged that he should render Laban seven years service for the hand of Rachel. In early times, custom required the bridegroom, before the ratification of a marriage engagement, to pay a sum of money or its equivalent in order property, according to his circumstances to the father of his wife. This was regarded as a safeguard to the marriage relation, but provision was made to test those who had nothing to pay for a wife. They were permitted to labor for the father whose daughter they loved, the length of time being regulated by the value of the dowry required. When the suitor was faithful in his services and proved in other respects worthy, He obtained the daughter as his wife, and generally, the dowry which the father had received was given her at her marriage. The ancient custom, though sometimes abused as by Laban, was productive of good results. When the suitor required to render service to secure his bride, a hasty marriage was prevented, and there was opportunity to test the depth of his affections as well as his ability to provide for a family. In our time, many evils result from pursuing an opposite course. It is often the case that persons before marriage have little opportunity to become acquainted with each other's habits and disposition, and so far as everyday life is concerned, they are virtually strangers when they unite their interests at the altar many find too late that they are not adapted to each other and lifelong wretchedness is the result of their union amen the title of our devotion for today is seven short years and we left off with jacob seeing a vision from heaven where god promised him to be with him and he also promised to gave God a tenth of his increase. Now Jacob continued his journey till he reached his uncle's house, Laban, the same area where his uncle lived in Bethuel and just like it was in the past where Eleazar was sent by Abraham to look for a wife for his son Isaac, Jacob came here for the same purpose, to look for a wife for himself but in a different fashion. Not in the same fashion, Eliezer came. But there are things that we will notice in this Jacob's sojourn and lessons that the Lord would want us to learn. Just as we read now, we saw that Jacob chose for a wife, a wife for himself, which was Rachel, and he was supposed to work seven years for Rachel. And the Bible says that those seven years seemed to him very short. Why? Because of the love that he had for Rachel and there are lessons that we can learn from here why did Jacob have to have these seven years of working it just reminds us that we need to talk about what a man should be before he can talk about getting married you see marriage is not for mere boys Jacob at this time was over 40 years the Bible tells us that when Esau was 40 years that that was when he took those two wives to himself to marry So you can tell here, Jacob coming here was already over 40 years. And we can see this is uh, Isaac was 60 years when he even gave birth to them. And 60 plus 40 makes it 100. So this is over 100 years later that Jacob is coming to Laban's house. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us something about the age of the people in those days. If just about 40 years later Laban was alive, then it just tells you, how old he also was and he had daughters for himself rachel and leah jacob met rachel at the well and the bible tells us something that as he met rachel he was happy to see that it was his uh, uncle's daughter but we'll get to that in a bit first of all let us talk about what a man must be before he gets married because as we look at these seven years that jacob served for rachel we realize that it was not a bad thing It was important that he did that for a reason, two reasons we saw. It says this ancient custom which today in most part of Africa it is still done where people pay a dowry, it wasn't a bad custom but it was abused and today perhaps we need to correct this custom in our own land because the dowry was not something that was supposed to be kept by the parents of the girl who was getting married. It was supposed to be a security for the lady, it was supposed to be a protection for her so that she is not like a slave in her husband's house. When the father of the girl collects the dowry, he is doing it for the security of his daughter. Today that custom has been abused. Many parents are like Laban. What did Laban do with that dowry? He sold his daughters and many daughters are being sold today. Later, a time came when Jacob had to leave Laban's house and the comment of Rachel and Leah shows exactly what I'm saying. A time came when Laban and uh, Jacob they didn't have a good relationship again and Jacob had to leave. And God appeared to Jacob telling him to leave. He explained it to Rachel and Leah and here the comment of Rachel and Leah in Genesis 31 verse 14. After Jacob had explained to them why he had to leave, it says, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him, strangers? For he hath sold us, and has quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours, and our children's, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. This comment by Rachel and Leah, is pointing to the dowry. The dowry that Jacob walked for seven years, which Laban collected. It was supposed to be given to Leah and Rachel. In fact, he walked another seven years. You get he, he walked, and this money was supposed to be for Rachel and Leah as a security to security to them. Like we read, he says in early times, custom required a bridegroom before the ratification of a marriage engagement to pay a sum of money or its equivalent in other property according to his circumstances to the father of his wife. This was regarded as a safeguard to the marriage relation. Fathers did not think it safe to trust the happiness of their daughters to men who had not made provision for the support of a family, if they had not sufficient turf drift, and energy to manage business and acquire cattle or lands it was feared that their life would prove worthless but provision was made to test those who had nothing to pay for a wife they were permitted to labor for the father whose daughter they loved the length of time being regulated by the value of the dowry required when the suitor was faithful in his services and proved in other respects worthy he obtained the daughter as his wife now listen he says and generally The dowry which the father had received was given her at the marriage. In the case of both Rachel and Leah, however, Laban selfishly retained the dowry that should have been given them. They referred to this when they said just before the removal from Mesopotamia, he had sold us and had quite devoured also our money. End of quote. That is from Patriarchs and Prophet page 188 paragraph 3 so here is something we learned concerning marriage it is a good custom that the man has to pay dowry and when he pays that dowry what is now wrong what that we see today is that the parents keep the money and that is where you are now selling your daughters I know this kind of thing sounds startling but then we are coming to the Lord what do we expect we don't come to the Lord expecting that we are going to remain the same. We are learning every day and it's our duty to make changes where we see that these changes need to be made. If we are not making changes in our lives, then what are we saying? Are we righteous? Do we know everything? We ought to be open to learning and make these changes. A lot goes wrong in the way we do things. Some people don't even require a diary which makes men to behave in a way that is irresponsible. They don't care for the woman and then when the diary is paid, some parents do not give it to the wife. and making her to be penniless in her husband's house and then it it causes a problem for her because it seems as if she was sold and the man feels like i own you you get that kind of the lord tried to avert this by ensuring that the man shows that he's able to take care of a family and after doing that the money collected by the parents is to be given to the daughter the daughter that they their own daughter so that she is secure in her husband's house so that she doesn't become a beggar in her husband's house but today the case is different but the Lord is talking to us and we ought to open our ears to listen you see the things we are learning to in all our devotions are things that the Lord is telling us out of love they are not things we should revolt over some may sound startling some may sound strange but then it is still the word of the Lord and we ought to accept it as God's word. And then, don't we see the sense in it? It is very sensible that it's practiced that way. There's no need to make things different from what the Lord has said, because it will not be well with us. The reason why the Lord is saying this to us is to protect us, is to guide us, everything we are learning in all our devotions from the word of God. It is to help us, it is in love that the Lord is telling us these things and we should see thoughts thus that the Lord loves us and that's why He's telling this to us. So one of the requirements for a man before he gets married, for any lady you ought to know that the man is able to take care of you and this is done through that dowry. If he doesn't pay that dowry then what does he show? for it that he is able to take care of a wife. Reading from Adventist Home, page 93, paragraph 1, it says No man is excusable for being without financial ability. Of many a man it may be said, he is kind, amiable, generous, a good man, a Christian, but he is not qualified to manage his own business. As far as the outlay of means is concerned, he is a mere child. He has not been brought up by his parents to understand and to practice the principles of of self-support." So one thing that a man needs to have is self-support, the thrifty attitude, the character of industry to show that he is able to both take care of himself and to take care of the wife and also take care of children and they, and uh, Jacob proved this he was a hard-working person and it could be seen that he was able to take care of his family so for men they should be people of this nature even when you look at the story of Adam Adam didn't just get a wife when he didn't have uh, he hasn't gotten the things that was needed God provided those things for him Adam had a house he had a work that he was doing that is a life work God has given him a life work He had a purpose in life and he had a work he was doing and the wife that was chosen for, for him was to be a helper for him in that work. He saw the need for a wife before he was given one. And so also with men, we ought to grow to a point of maturity where we know where the Lord is leading us. Marriage is not for children. Many young people today are thinking of marriage for the wrong reasons. We don't have any need for it yet. You need to see the need for it before you get into it. Some is just for carnal purposes. But it would be better for us if we can allow the Lord to lead. Men should allow the Lord to lead them. Be like Adam. Let the Lord give you your work. And then in your work, you see the need for a helper. And then God provides the helper also. Also, we read from Adventist home. This is now talking about the qualities that you need to look for in a man that qualifies him to be a husband. 20's home page 47 paragraph 1 and downward, say before giving her hand in marriage every woman should inquire whether he with whom she is about to unite her destiny is worthy. What has been his past record? Is his life pure? Is the love which he expresses of a noble elevated character? Or is it a mere emotional fondness? Has he the traits of character that will make her happy? Can she find true peace and joy in his affection? Will she be allowed to preserve her individuality? Or must her judgment and conscience be surrendered to the control of her husband? Can she honor the Savior's claims as supreme? Will body and soul, thoughts and purposes be preserved pure and holy? These questions have a vital bearing upon the well-being of every woman who enters the marriage relation. Let the woman who desires a peaceful, happy union... Who would escape future misery and sorrow, inquire before she yields her affections? Has my lover a mother? What is the stamp of her character? Does he recognize his obligations to her? Is he mindful of her wishes and happiness? If he does not respect and honor his mother, will he manifest respect and love, kindness and attention toward his wife? When the novelty of marriage is over. Will he love me still? Will he be patient with my mistakes or will he be critical, overbearing and dictatorial? True affection will overlook many mistakes, love will not discern them. Let a young woman accept as a life companion, one who possesses pure manly traits of character, one who is diligent, aspiring and honest, one who loves and fears God. So. Here, we just take a pause to digest what we've just read for a lady who is looking for a husband and for a man who wants to make a good husband. These are the things you should be asking yourself. You need to ensure that your relationship with your parents is in such a manner that you can say to yourself and you understand, I am doing my duty. Also, like we've just read, the man is to be someone who can give his wife her individuality and allow her To express her own uh, relationship with God as she should he is not to interfere in that in her relationship with God allow the wife to find joy and affection to preserve her individuality and not to surrender her conscience to the man but allow her to freely have liberty of conscience when it comes to serving God and men are to ensure that they have a pure a life Like We we, we saw a question here that says, Will body and soul, thoughts and purposes, be preserved pure and holy? There are many wives whose bodies and their soul, their thoughts and purposes are not preserved pure and holy because of the way the husbands treat them. I have witnessed cases of women who have outrightly rejected to even enter into any sexual relations with their husbands ever again because of how goatish and how furious and how reckless the husbands are with them. A man is to know how to treat his wife in tenderness, in love and in kindness. And that is why the woman is to ask these questions. So many people get into the marriage not having this information, only for them to get into it and realize, oh I just married a beast. I just married someone who the spirit of prophecy said somewhere is a demon in the form of man because of the way he behaves on the bed and we need to talk about these things. I've talked about it severaly in other devotions and it is a serious problem in many marriages. Many men are deeply engrossed in pornography which is teaching them evil things that they want to practice on their wives. And having practiced it on their wives, oh no, there's trouble in the home. The woman is brought to the lower point of a brute beast, treated like a thing just to be used for the sexual gratification of the husband and men is a pity for us that these things happen and many have been educated in the wrong way but men need to be re-educated in these things and even some women too who have also been educated in the wrong way in these things we need to retrace our steps be converted and understand things in the way of the lord the way the lord expects things to be done in the marriage bed the marriage is honorable People are to be kept pure and holy. And the other questions that we saw what is his past record, what is the influence of his mother on him all those things are to be checked. Many women don't check these things, they just want to get married, get married to anybody, then regret it. They feel like, oh, let's regret it later. We can't stay single. Well, I tell you, it is better to stay single than to get married to certain men. And some men, we need to train ourselves to be real husbands, to be people who the Lord wants us to be not who the world wants us to be because there are some people who will make demands of men even women of women of the world who will make demands of men that are not in harmony with the word of God don't say oh, we must fulfill it no you must do things that will keep your mind pure So when you're done you will not be looking down on yourself going on concerning what the man should be Adventist on page 47 paragraph 4 and down what it says Shun those who are irreverent, shun one who is a lover of idleness, shun the one who is a scoffer of hallowed things. Avoid the society of one who uses profane language or is addicted to the use, even of of even one glass of liquor that's alcohol listen not to the proposals of a man who has no realization of his responsibility to God the pure truth which sanctifies the soul will give you courage to cut yourself loose from the most pleasing acquaintance whom you know does not love and fear God and knows nothing of the principles of true righteousness we may always bear with a friend's infirmities and with his ignorance but not with his vices. End of quote. So here are some things that one needs to be sure of, especially for the women, because many of them are victims in this matter. Uh, They need to be sure of these things. uh, Check the man that these things are in place. Let there be not even one glass of liquor, not a person who uses profane language, not one who loves idleness, not one who doesn't understand his obligation to God. Because The children will suffer it. The wife will suffer it. So consider these things. Don't look at them as uh, things that are not necessary. Then talking about marriage in general, hasty marriages are not good. You see, the seven short years that Jacob served was not something wrong for him. He had already selected who he wanted to marry. We'll talk about that selection later. But seven years, it took him seven years before he could even get married to this person but he had already made the selection and it was not a bad thing that he had to work for seven years but there we learn a lesson and the lesson is this that seven years was supposed to put a check on him and even on Rachel to know do you people really love yourselves if in that seven years you cannot bear with each other it shows you that you are not even ready for marriage if you rush if you rush into marriage, if you are hasty into it, you'll find out that you may have made a mistake. People need to have time to get acquainted with themselves. I hear so much talk today about how long courtship to, should be. Well, I'm not giving any time for how long courtship to, should be. But we see this seven years of Jacob telling us something. It's telling us a lesson. That even though you have known, oh, this is the person I want to marry. Be careful not to rush and go in a haste to marry the person. You need to check yourself to know, Ah, do I really love this person? Can I really continue? You see, what we read, saying here in Conflict and Courage, page 66, paragraph 4, it says, This ancient custom, that is when the man has to work, though sometimes abused by Laban, was productive of good results. So what were the benefits of this long time of courtship? There it says, when the suitor was required to render service to secure his bride, a hasty marriage was prevented and there was opportunity to test the depth of his affections as well as his ability to provide for a family. So three benefits of this, firstly a hasty marriage is prevented, secondly the man is tested to see do you really love this lady? If you can wait seven years, then we know you do love how your affections are real. It's not just a crush that you have. And thirdly, it shows whether you have the financial ability to take care of the lady. But the major thing I see there, somebody may even have the financial ability. And uh, the main thing that these seven years will do is to check the depth of the affection. Because it's not everybody who is in Jacob's shoes who had just a staff with him. Some people already have all the money. So what is the seven years doing? It's helping to see, do you really love this person? Because if you are walking by feelings, just as you feel, oh, I want to marry this person, the next thing you are into it. And that's why it is good that time is given for one to test himself to know whether they really love the person. So it helps to know whether people are also compatible with themselves. Reading from Adventist home page 83 paragraph 2 it says, It is often the case that persons before marriage have little opportunity to become acquainted with each other's habits and disposition. And so far as everyday life is concerned, they are virtual strangers when they unite their interests at the altar. Many find too late that they are not adapted to each other, and lifelong wretchedness is the result of their union. Often, the wife and children suffer from the indolence and inefficiency or the vicious habits of the husband and father. The world is full of misery and sin today, in consequence of ill assorted marriages. In many cases, it takes only a few months for husband and wife to realize that their dispositions take note of that word. Dispositions can never blend, and the result is that discord prevails in the home, where only the love and harmony of heaven should exist. By contention over trivial matters Why are they contending over trivial matters? Disposition. By contention over trivial matters, a bitter spirit is cultivated. Open disagreements and bickering bring inexpressible misery into the home and drive asunder those who should be united in the bonds of love. Thus, thousands have sacrificed themselves, soul and body by unwise marriages and have gone down the path of perdition." Why is there incompatibility? Because the people didn't have time to know themselves, whether their dispositions agree with each other. How do we know when dispositions agree? You see, because when people are brought up maybe in the same environment have similar cultures you see that they have similar dispositions they understand the same things perhaps have the same sense of humor and also they can not they wouldn't get offended with the comments you know some people just certain words that are used because of where they grew up they don't like those words or certain gestures because they grew up in various different cultures or something, you find out that one can get offended by just a little thing that the other person is doing. And then the bickering comes like we just read. And through this bickering, there's always quarrel in the home. It could be over little things like how the food is cooked. It could be over little things like how the toilet is kept. It could be over other things like where the soap is kept. And one person can get irritated over it. Another person sees it as nothing. All these little things... It is important that people have time to understand each other's dispositions so that they don't have contention over trivial matters and then a bitter spirit is cultivated. This is the reason why those ti- that time we won't look at it as a long time. The title of our devotion is seven short years. We shouldn't be in a haste to marry That time of waiting, that time of courtship, we should be conducted in the right way. There was something I mentioned before about a happy marriage. In a happy marriage, kind words are to be used. We are to speak loving, tender words in the marriage. But take note, not in the courtship. You are not to go around in courtship using those words that will evoke emotions in you that will lead you into almost getting romantic and then getting into foreplay and then you lead yourself into sin be careful in courtship not to do that some people are afraid of having these seven short years of courtship and the reason is because they say oh if we take it too long we are going to sin jesus said whosoever lusted after a woman in his heart whosoever lusted after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery with her you won't say oh because i cannot hold myself let me rush and get married you are just bringing two evils upon yourself because when you enter into that hasty marriage you will realize things that you did not realize before getting married and you will now be trapped in a marriage that you shouldn't have been in during your courtship hold yourself you don't have to sin jacob waited seven years you don't hear about him sleeping around with leah and rachel Many people today say, oh, I can't wait one year because oh, I, because they are in a hurry to have sex. Come on. We need to hold yourself. We need to hold ourselves. Don't, don't be in a hurry to have sex. Hold on and follow the time that you are supposed to end, uh, understand the other people's disposition, the other person's disposition. Understand the person's nature. Let there be time given so that you don't enter into a hasty marriage. This was seven years for... Jacob, but it was short in his eyes. It was short in his eyes, and that is what it should be for many today. And as I was saying earlier, these seven years of uh, I'll call it a courtship is not to be a time when you are putting yourself in danger zone, where you are doing things you should not do, going into a room alone when you know you 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 and this person already have affections expressed to each other, and then. Uh, making comments to each other that will arouse sexual romantic feelings reserve those things for marriage because when you do it in courtship you are tempting your soul and in doing that you may fall into sin so that is what people are trying to avoid when they rush into marriage but you are bringing worse evil upon yourself when you rush into marriage hasty marriages are to be discouraged there needs to be time for both parties to understand each other, to know their dispositions and blend with each other before getting into marriage. In Adventist tomb page 84 paragraph 2 we read, Many marriages can only be productive of misery and yet the minds of the youth run in this channel because Satan leads them there, making them believe that they must be married in order to be happy when they have not the ability to control themselves or support a family. Those who are not willing, take note, those who are not willing to adapt themselves to each other's disposition, so as to avoid unpleasant differences and contention, should not take the step. But this is one of the alluring snares of the last days, in which thousands are ruined for this life and the next. End of quote. So, even if, pe- even if people don't have the same disposition, if you are not willing to adapt, that is, in marriage, yes. Adaptation, adapt to the other person's the other person's disposition if you're not willing to do that, then people shouldn't get married now in these seven short years of Jacob, which is like courtship, we need to be careful the kind of things that are done like I said earlier that's what the seven court, seven short years is about. how do you conduct yourself? Jacob never did you hear of him doing things that are for the marriage relation in these seven short years he respected himself, and we also are to respect ourselves during the time of courtship some may say oh it's difficult maybe you've made mistakes then correct yourself maybe you didn't know before there are, there are comments that causes this problem sometimes when you, when you are telling yourself I'm not saying it's wrong but in courtship when people are saying oh I love you I miss you all those things well I'm not saying it's wrong but many times those things can arouse feelings if you are sincere you find out they arouse feelings in you that are drawing you in a direction you should not go you should be careful about such comments reserve it for when you get married be careful how you release your affections during the time of courtship because this is what people are really afraid of and we must guard ourselves on this matter guard your heart because it will cause a problem but that the solution to it is not to go into hasty marriage because that's some people's solution they feel oh i don't want to sin let me hurry up and get married no that's not the solution many marriages are wrecked because of that hastiness so let us go back to the story of Jacob and we see when Jacob served these seven years for uh, Rachel, it looked to him but a very short time. But then there are other lessons that I want us to just look at in this Jacob's story. You see, unlike his father, Isaac, I don't see where Jacob is asking God concerning the person he wants to marry. When Eliezer came to that well, he prayed and the Lord showed him who it was that he wanted to marry. But in this case of Jacob, that didn't look to be the case. As we read the story of Jacob, Rachel and Leah, it seems that it wasn't the choice of God for Jacob to marry, to marry Rachel. Rachel, later we will find out, was an idolater. And if, he was left in, if she was left in the house of Jacob because of his love for her, he overlooked many things. And not only that, he would not even notice it. Rachel stole her father's idols when they were leaving the house. She stole them. And when the father came to search for them, Jacob swore and said, Anybody that he finds it with, the person will die. He trusted Rachel, not knowing that him and Rachel were not serving the same God. But God saw everything. Rachel had other gods. The God of Jacob was not the God of Rachel. Rachel took the idols of her father, Laban, and traveled with it, stole it, and hid it because she was pregnant and in hiding it she brought woe upon herself because Jacob said that anybody who it is found with the person should die but Laban didn't find it but what happened to Rachel as she was about giving birth she died it shows us something you know God is not in support of polygamy in the first place but God knew something that Jacob did not know that Rachel would not be the best person to bring up his children the Bible tells us in in the book of Genesis, chapter 29 and Genesis 30, that God shot the womb of Rachel. Why will God shot her womb? Because he saw what was going on in the home, and it was Leah he blessed. Of all the children of Jacob, it was eight of them that came from Leah. Two came from Rachel, and the other two from Rachel's a concubine, of course. Two others were Leah's concubine, I understand that. So, you could see that God was doing something. God was involved in the family of Jacob. And at the burial ground of Jacob, he buried, He was buried in the same place Abraham and Sarah was buried. Isaac and Rebekah was also buried there. And Jacob and Leah were buried there, not Rachel. The Lord used that to teach us a lesson. Isaac was content to marry whoever the Lord chooses for him. He was not caring whether the person was tender-eyed or not. But Jacob was after the beauty of Rachel and would not choose Leah for himself. You see, his father Isaac, anybody a brought home for him, he was going to accept. But But to me, it seems that Jacob did not do that prayer to know who God wanted for him. And in doing this, he chose someone who, At the end of the day, we'll see that if she was still alive, if she followed Jacob back and she was still alive, she would have ended up teaching idolatry in the house of Jacob because she carried the idols of Laban. It was only later that Jacob saw it because Laban went back to his house not seeing the idols. He didn't know where they were. So the Bible records it because later Jacob found it. And when he found it, they all knew it was Rachel that stole it. It was not Leah and then, most likely, everybody's eyes were open. Wow! It was Rachel who stole her father's idols and the Lord singled her out. She was not going to be a good wife for Jacob and Jacob did not know that. And also, we see in the house of Jacob other lessons that we can learn on the things that went on in that family but we will look at that subsequently. But for today, we understand these seven short years and what it means for us that we should not go into hasty marriages and if we really love someone we will not have a problem in waiting and during that wait we will respect the person enough not to do things that are wrong things that are sinful and we respect God enough not to do things that are sinful and for the for men we understand what we should be and ladies know what men should be who want to get married I pray that the Lord will grant us greater understanding and for those who are preparing to get married, that the Lord will open the ways for you to make you to be exactly what God wants you to be as a man, that he will provide so that you can be that thing you need to be. And by the way, I need to say this. And when the Lord is saying you should, be, you should have money, it doesn't mean you have all the world. Jacob, sorry, Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not such an affluent person. There are people... Who are industrious it doesn't mean you have all the world no don't get it wrong it doesn't mean the man must be so rich but he must be hardworking and provide for the family the basic necessities not talking of luxury now basic necessities to be able to provide food clothing shelter and comfort as much as he can not that the comfort must be the highest one no but the basic things that are enough for someone to survive so no one should feel jittery now feeling like oh you must have all the money as i'm so rich before you get married no but basic necessities if you can take care of yourself you can put food on your table you can rent a house for yourself and do all that then you're ready financially but then one must check himself spiritually to know whether you are ready has the lord been leading you has he given you your life work? Also, have you overcome your defects? Not all of them, at least the ones we read. Not somebody who takes alcohol. You understand your responsibility towards God. You are not an idle person. You, have, you are working on your, your character. Then as a man, you know, okay, the Lord is working on me and I think I will make a good husband. May the Lord give us the grace that we will grow to be the people that he wants us to be. Let us pray. dear father in heaven thank you for the lessons that has come from your word today we pray lord that you will give to us grace to put these things in practice there are men and women today who are planning to get married many are disregarding these important instructions i pray father that you will help us to retrace our steps and help us to pay attention to these things. We understand that you are telling us these things in love, not because you want to make life difficult for us. There are many ladies who accept people who they know are not good enough, men who do not meet these criteria. Lord, is anybody on the verge of doing that? I pray that you help such a person to treat their salvation as an important thing to themselves and not jeopardize it on the altar of marriage by marrying the wrong man. And also for the men, help that each and every one of them, single, planning to be married, and those who are even married perhaps not being the best of people, please help such ones that men may grow to be what you want them to be. Good men, husbands who can be relied on by the Lord himself. Lord, do all this for us. Help us, Lord, to be people that you can depend on to do what you want us to do. As you said of Abraham, I know him that he will command his household after him to do justice and mercy. Lord, may it be said of we who are listening to this, that you know us, that we will be able to do the same things. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.